Good evening, and thank you for having us here at your incredible museum. <laughs> Quite an astonishing atmosphere here. <clears throat> so if you've been studying uh, Buddhism for a while, then you know about the three poisons of passion, aggression, and ignorance. So what I'm going to talk about here is a little bit different way of discussing this. And that is uh, three different ways that we ignore so that we can really see more carefully, more closely, more precisely, uh, which sounds a little bit uh, the opposite of ignoring, but may not be. Ignoring of the three poisons, uh, ignoring is the hardest one to understand, to really get a feeling for what that's about. We can see the, the passion, the grasping, the reaching, sometimes even clawing at things, or, or we see the other kind of uh, uh, passion is when we're, things happen and we invent stories and we justify it, or we condemn it, or we blame ourselves, we blame others. On and on, just story after story. Passion, not wrong, just confusing, circular. I like it, I don't like it, I like it, I don't like it. And then, of course, aggression, more obvious, is one where <clears throat> uh, we just come out of the chute wanting to win. And that can show up so many ways, even very subtly. Uh, aggression can show up in many forms. Sometimes just a look is, uh, has a lot of aggression in it. But then ignorance, that's because of the very nature of ignorance. It's like it's ignorant. Sometimes if we've been ignorant about some particular aspect of our life, if uh, through, and especially through this practice of sitting meditation, stretching that awareness, strengthening that awareness, so we can see more and more clearly. Sometimes when we begin to see what we've been ignoring, it can be quite embarrassing. And of course the embarrassment is what? It's another Dharma gate. It's another teaching. Because if you're embarrassed, and that's ego, wanting things to be different than they are. Wanting... Not wanting to be wrong, not wanting to show up, bad pride comes up. <clears throat> but it's interesting that when that comes up, we don't really see it as pride. We see it as, well, I need to fix that. I need to correct that. And I'm here to say that you don't need to fix anything. Maybe a little bit different way of talking about it, but you need to see what it is because if you try to fix something before you see very clearly and even embarrassingly what it is, you'll be fixing your idea about it, the concept about it, rather than the actual situation that the concept or the ideas uh, are referring to. So go slow. Don't do anything unless you have to. That's my way of teaching patience. Don't do anything unless If you're doing something you don't have to do, you're going in circles in some way. And it's not an accusation so much as a description. So the way I'd like to talk about, um, what did I say that was? Thanks. <clears throat> Actually, I know I'm just training her. So I knew, I knew. So beyond ignorance is to first see all the different ways in which we ignore, the way in which we turn away from, shut down, close off, rename, reposition ourselves, what problem? Who has the problem? So these three ways that I want to mention to you, that I want to say to you, and suggest you take a close look, look at, using your meditation practice, sitting down, holding still, facing the wall, watch what moves, watch what moves, shikantaza, just precisely this, just precisely this, over and over and over. Through doing that, you eventually begin to under, understand the nature of ignorance in a very deep way. In a way that, the way you know you begin to understand it deeply is you don't, have, don't know how to tell anyone about it. You might eventually, but you might have to look at it for 10 years. And I'm not exaggerating. A very obvious uh, form to one who understands this, and that may be you, of ignorance, is belief. When you believe something, it means... If I may say it this way, that you think something is true with no proof. You believe it. You just believe it. Quite often we'll see you see where you believe one thing, someone else doesn't believe that. So it's probably uh, on shaky ground already. The other one is these three modes of, of uh, ignorance or distraction. 
is disbelief. And to go through all three of them, the third one is ignorance or a distraction or just the basic form of turning away, not looking, rebranding. Anything we can do to stop seeing what it is. A rebranding is what I'm saying that I'm saying. When we project on something, we see it. We see it in its raw, rugged, murky, even smelly appearance, manifestation. And we, we, we don't want that. So we call it something else. We name it. We blame. We push on it. We actively ignore or distract ourselves. So, you know, you don't really have to do any of that. You don't have to believe anything. You can live your life just fine with no opinions whatsoever. How would you live? How would you do that? You might ask. And I might tell you. Function out of your awareness. Functioning out of your thought patterns is not wrong. It's a tool and we need to use it, but only use it when you need to. You start to go out of hope and fear towards the thinking process. This is ego. And it can get extremely refined, especially if you're really smart, because then all those concepts, you know, that you're a little bit more uh, facile with than maybe your neighbor, we tend to use those to hide out because we can explain things, things so clearly to ourselves and to others. So don't add, don't add anything. Whatever's arising, whatever's arising, do nothing with it. Don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, don't look away. If you, if you actually understand what I'm saying, and if you begin to put this into, what should we say, have to talk in a relative way, into practice, in the highest, highest form, it'll be as if I never said anything at all. But actually begin to transcend relative truth. In order to transcend relative truth, you have to see really deeply into the relative truth. You can't, you can't work with, leave something, jump into something as it actually is, unless you see very clearly what it is beyond ignorance, beyond your shutting down on it or your naming it or your projections. <clears throat> Anytime you have questions, I'm always open for questions. Can you? Earlier you said we might begin to see the nature of ignorance. Yes. What is the nature of ignorance? Uh, to ego, which is usually operating uh, quite actively, it feels like not knowing something. And it feels like an involuntary not knowing. I don't know what that is. I've got to find out what that is. I've got to, one, of the, one of the signs that ignorance is uh, functioning in you and is happy and well is if you say just randomly, I've got to figure this out. No, you don't. If you're figuring things out, you're participating in your own confusion. Please don't do that. And the other thing I would say is when I leave here, when we all leave here tonight, forget everything I've said. If there's something important here for you, you won't be able to forget it. There's nothing here to believe in. I don't have anything to sell, nothing to promote. This is a Zendo. I'm a monk, so I'm here. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we trying? Hmm? You had mentioned that this idea of recognizing ignorance, you have a hard time describing it. Mm -hmm. Could you explain a little bit more about that? I know that sounds No, 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 it's great. No, no, all questions. I don't care what your question is. Just, but I, I, my teaching, uh, the way I teach, you know, can't go any further than just what it looks like here. So when you come and bring your question, that uh, brings about the, uh, actually makes use of dependent origination, makes use of the relative world in which we find ourselves dropped out of nowhere. And suddenly we're here, human beings. So by all means. What was your question? <laughs> this idea of becoming aware of the ignorance, uh, yeah. I guess a sign you mentioned, you said, is that you wouldn't know what to do with it or yes. you don't know how to describe it. Could you speak a little bit more about that? I can, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to do that. So what I was saying is there's a, there's a sense of being embarrassed about not being able to know what something is. And there's also, uh, so that arises, and then also uh, the, uh, the feeling that, the self-centeredness, the ego, in the Yogacara tradition called the seventh consciousness, perhaps you've studied that, uh, that area is uh, the, the paranoid uh, part of consciousness, the part that thinks there is somebody that needs protecting, thinks there is somebody that needs promoting, and we need to really be looking out for that. We need to you know, watch out the window what's happening, who's coming, what someone's saying. Uh, sometimes we, if someone just says someone just a little bit, 
they're confusing, we might immediately take that personally, like, are they talking about me? You know, kind of that kind of paranoia. So the uh, maybe to come a little closer to what you're asking about, it's it's a it's a, it's a feeling of being uncomfortable with not knowing what's going on, like in your life, like anything, like not knowing what to do next. Please don't figure that out. Have a willingness to just stay with the open dimension that is arising, that is a dharma gate for you or for anyone else. When you're when things are going well and you're seeing oh, this is happening, I just have this job. I'm, my coworkers are working really well with them. Or if you're going to school, that situation is working well. And then because of causes and conditions are always changing, suddenly something turns or flips around or goes the other way, which is life. Uh, do as little as possible with it. Patience. Just wait. And just watch and watch the way it changes. Because if you move into it too early, then you're moving into it out of hope and fear, hoping that you can fix it, which is not a particularly good or helpful uh, kind of energy to work out of, or fear that it's going to, if you don't get in there really quick, it's going to fall apart, get worse or something. And so that kind of uh, active uh, like belief that something's going to go wrong or, or, or disbelief that you, you could actually leave it alone. So the, the whole idea of belief and disbelief, just, and when I say this, when, I, when I'm saying don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't look away, I'm also saying on another level that when you just can't help, when you just believe it, then just make sure there's a lot of awareness around that what you're operating out of is belief, that you're actually thinking is something is true uh, without really being certain of it. Certainty, true certainty just, just transcends cause and effect. Everything else uh, shifts all the time. The example of that is uh, not that I know anything about um, particle physics, but just when they're when they think they've got something there, suddenly it turns from a particle into a what a wave, and then you know, and then if they think they've got something there, it turns back into a particle. And there's examples of that all over. The simplest one was for forever they thought the earth was flat and then it's round so and there are other things that are going on that are quite profound that because of our kind of myopic uh, attitude towards things of just looking in one little area things are happening in other areas that uh, we don't see is that anything more on that i probably said more than you wanted to hear thank you <laughs> further questions are good a question from Shane out in California. Uh, he asks, how does one comprehend and practice living your life without opinions? So, so Shane, it is not important to live your life without opinions so much as just to be aware that you're, you're, you're operating out of them, that it's actually a, it's an opinion. And it may be based on some pretty solid uh, facts, if you want to call them that. Uh, but it's it's still, it's something that you, you hold to be true or... or uh, or solid or dependable, but uh, you you're aware that it's a, it's an opinion, and then by through that awareness, then the because of causes and conditions, and because it, it gets its life from that, it will either either hang around or it will leave. But from the point of view of your uh, Buddha nature, you don't care what it does. If it if it stays around, fine. If it goes away, fine. Uh, even even saying fine is extra. Is, it, is so, awareness of an opinion no opinion? Pardon me? Is awareness of an opinion no opinion? It's closer to that because you're you're taking some of the some of the support out of that opinion, and that support is a lot of this. Anytime you believe anything, you're you're doing this. Anytime you disbelieve anything, you're doing this. And anytime you distract yourself, well, you might not be doing this, but you're doing this. Oh, am I missing something? Yes. What does complete no opinion look like? What does complete what? No opinion look like. Uh, to completely have no opinion? I didn't say that. What are you accusing me of, sure? Keep coming. Can you be alive with no opinions? You know, I doubt it, but I don't know. It's just part, it's again, and this is uh, difficult, especially for any of us that are practicing meditation, that are serious about studying the Buddhist Dharma. We want to understand no self, no other. We want, we want to transcend this world. We want to live a completely spiritual life. At least I'm probably speaking for most of the people here in some way. 
but it's not about being somebody else. And it's also not about completely reifying, justifying, validating, or any of the other aidings, your self-centeredness, who you are. Don't believe this. Don't disbelieve it. Don't look away. It's an astonishing situation to find yourself. It's called an open dimension of being, relatively described. I'm reminded a lot of when you say take a quarter inch step back. Yes. Um, is seeing this all play out from that vantage point, use that metaphor, taking the fuel out of believing that or supporting it like you were saying? I think it's a beginning for that. Uh, fundamentally, there isn't anything to do. But we have to do, we have to still work in that cause and effect situation and, and being very, uh, as it says in, uh, in the sutras, uh, uh, um, what is it, uh, Sin Sin Ming or one of them, picking and choosing is a disease of the mind. Pardon me. We're not saying that you shouldn't pick or choose, but it's the attachment to it, the attachment to being right, the attachment to being wrong, the attachment to outcomes. So the attachment to anything at all, attachment to your identity. There's nothing wrong with having an identity like think of yourself as uh, kind or loving or to think of yourself as anything, some kind of description. It's the attachment to that that creates the stress. I like the example I sometimes use. I'm not going to do that here this evening because that uh, doesn't seem to be necessary. But if I were to pick anyone here and insult you, even if I'm playing around, even if I'm acting, and insult you, you 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 find right away how much self-centeredness is going on there because you'll feel offended, even if it's an act. And if I compliment you and say, like if I say to Shoto, Shoto, you're one of my most valuable students. I don't know what I would do without you. Not only that, you're handsome. You're tall. You have great ears, the shape of your ears. Is... <laughs> I may be getting embarrassed. <laughs> so I'm just saying that, you know, this is how incredible our imaginations are. We're so imaginative. That's why there, that's why there is uh, such great music, such great painting, such great dance, such great poetry, such uh, on and on and on is because people begin to understand what it actually is to create out of no separation, no self. And hmm? What is it when the compliment me and I even think like oh you're full of crap or uh, is that the same dynamic did you say that? I was full of crap someone thought it <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's another form of uh, self-centeredness they're taking any position on it at all I mean it isn't that you couldn't take the position uh, so goes on being silly again or you could say you know he might have a point I have looked in the mirror lately and I don't look too bad <laughs> So I'm just uh, I'm just playing with it. I'm just saying we're we're so sensitive to whatever's happening. We, it's so easy to take something that maybe someone had said or had done that wasn't meant to hurt us at all. It really hurts. Could go the other direction. And as uh, as meditators, as students of this, uh, this spiritual path, uh, you could turn everything into a dharma gate. Anytime, any anytime, any any anytime, any intense emotion or feeling is triggered by something else. Rather than try to get rid of it, aggression, rather than try to justify it or blame someone, blame yourself, blame someone else, passion, or just ignore it, forget it, I'm just going to let that bother me, I'm just going to think about something else. Rather than do that, you could treat it as a Dharma gate and say, what is that? That's the best question you can ask. Why questions? Circular. Why? Because. Why? Because. Why? Because. Circular. The illusion of uh, progress. But if you ask what something is, everything stops as if it were moving in the first place. And you're able to look down into the texture of whatever that emotion is. And you know, it would be different for everyone here. The one person may be dealing with lots of jealousy. Maybe they don't know why. Maybe they just, just they're plagued by it. Another person just doesn't have that. What they have maybe is more getting up in the morning and just feel like this isn't worth being here. Or depression. So everyone has, but but if you're on this path, if this is your path, and you're here, then everything is a dharma gate. Don't ignore anything. Yes, sir. Um, it's your imagination. It, uh, it's max. Max. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I have a really active imagination, and I'm constantly kind of playing out scenarios in my head conversations. Yeah. Um, constantly. And <clears throat> the question of, of what something is, I mean, how, how exactly do I ask that? I mean, I can... 
uh, pick apart the dialogue and say what I've been having, but you said mm -hmm. something about kind of emotional tone. You suggesting going into yeah. the body more, or so, and you're practice sitting meditation, obviously. So that will help you uh, make the relative term make some progress in that area. What you will notice as you will as you go along, if you just say what, uh, but you can't say what and then expect something. When I say you can't, of course you can. Do whatever you want to do. But if you do that, then you just create another kind of circularity. Mm -hmm. So say, what is this? And then if nothing shows up, that that's not too bad. Because usually, and I can tell by talking to you just a little bit, that you're you know, pretty strong intellectual uh, operation happening there. Not a compliment, not a criticism, just an observation that that's probably what's happening. And so whereas someone else might go into some kind of emotional dynamic, you would go into a conceptual or an intellectual dynamic about it and try to sort it out, pull it apart, open it up. Uh, more scientific-minded. Uh, does that sound pretty good? Yeah, yeah. But I also have a pretty strong emotional life, mm -hmm. which... I never would have guessed that. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> does, but no, I don't... I, I get accused of being very abstract and not going with the flow, and I yeah. actually feel yeah. completely lost in the flow, and when people accuse me of being abstract, yeah. I find it quite... Frustrating. I, I say, okay, so so one of the things you can do is notice the way, this might be a different way of looking at it, notice the way you're getting your identity from others. Don't do it. And how do you not do it? See that you do it. All you have to do is just keep seeing that whatever, anytime anybody gives you any comment, it's not that you're, um, uh, people are not particularly going to manipulate you, but they, they create more kind of circularity going on there. So just notice that. Don't stop it. I'll fix anything and just uh, watch that. But yeah, I can see the uh, the downside. Perhaps is the confusion, the way it feels, and feels like you know there's it just it's just going to keep going and going. And the upside is uh, nothing lasts. Or teaching of Buddhism is impermanence, but it, it tends to extend itself if you do anything with it. If you're you're sitting here doing something, something happens in your life. You're maybe doing nothing. And it, it triggers some emotional response here. Less is better. Because if you do anything with it, even though you could say it's justified, if you do anything with it, then the very karma that is arising as your life, you, instead of receiving your karma, receive your karma. Be genuine. Be who you are. And, and be that. And that way, uh, there isn't anything else. Everything that looked separate for so long has suddenly begun, uh, suddenly um, uh, began to reveal itself as who it actually is and what it actually is. And it's not separate. And it's an astonishing thing. You can do that. You have a further question? Um, a little bit, yes. With the, with, the, with the question of what's in this idea of investigation in, in Zen, and I, I can't say I'm particularly well-versed um, in the teachings, but I'm always... Uh, hesitant with that because it seems like, and I think you kind of already addressed the answer a little bit, but expecting something or what, yeah. it sounds like I'm asking a question to get something already. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes against so much else of what I know, okay. of striving, seeking to investigate, yet somehow not wanting any answers or not. So I, I would divide it up. I understand, I follow you. So I would, I would divide it up and emphasize the two sides of it so you can see the contrast. Emphasize sitting, sit, sit a lot. This, you can't really do this an hour a day. You can, sure, and that's good. And it's better than not sitting at all. And that will help and soften things up and smooth things out, take some of the rough edges out. Also, that can actually bring up the edges you've been trying to avoid and you need to sit more. So uh, more sitting that you can do, sitting meditation, do you do, do shikantaza? I assume, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, the more you can do that and then find a, a text that works for you. Uh, just talking to you for, for a few minutes, I would recommend the 30 verses of Vasubandhu. And do you, are you familiar with that text? No. Yeah. I would look that up and I would look up, I uh, uh, wouldn't settle for one or two translations. I'd try to get at least three translations of it and, and look at those and study those 30 verses. And that will, I think that will help you a lot because it's very conceptual, but it's, uh, it's astonishing material, and it's it's one of the bases along with the um, other early texts, Lankavatara Sutra, and so on, our foundations of Zen, Zen and Chan Buddhism. So, okay, all right.
Let me know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good reminder. I've sat so you guys sit now. I do sit about an hour up to an hour a day. But the yeah. times that I've done more, like an hour and a half or two, I was am amazed at what it does. Yeah, and you know, along that same uh, same uh, line, Max is something else that I teach when when people can't get can't find time to get to retreat or get to session or something, and they're just too busy. Find a something I call block sitting. Find a four hour period. Four seems to be a good number for hours. Find a four hour period of time, and it might be it might be ten ten in the uh, and, and ten in the evening until two in the morning. You know that might be the only time you can get it. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall, and don't move unless you have to. Unless you need to go to the bathroom, get some water. So don't be too militant on yourself. Something about over three hours uh, has been my experience, and having done this for a while, it's been my experience that. Oh, extending that by not doing anything else other than just focusing on that and also acknowledging, not being militant about it, but actually acknowledging, I need to go to the bathroom, I need some water, I need some tea, I need to stand up and stretch a little bit, sit back down, but, but stay with that and keep returning to that so that's your, your primary situation is to sharpen that blade of awareness. I highly recommend that if you can find a time every couple of weeks or so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on, that rhymes with oh on. Co <laughs> on, I didn't think of that. Yes. Um, back in Battle Creek at Sokokoji, Shoka reports there are 12 people in the Zendo there watching. They're actually watching. Senchu <laughs> has a question for you. Yes, Senchu. She asks, how can my not knowing, which feels like a problem, turn into not knowing which is not a problem. Uh, when you say it's a problem, you've added on to the not knowing. So just watch the way you add. Something comes up, let's say it's the not knowing, and then instead of just just not knowing, we add on to, we add on something else that it shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't know. I, I don't like that feeling of not knowing. So there's something extra is put over it. This is a... Uh, this is uh, called uh, the imaginary nature, the imputed nature. Parikalpata is a Sanskrit word for it. We actually imagine something about something. So we actually start creating. We've been doing this lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And I'm not here to promote reincarnation or past lives. We really don't have that much interest in that as a concept because it's probably something even more astonishing than just the simple idea of rebirth. Does that work? Well, she can't answer me. <laughs> what was your name again? Chuchu. Um, when not knowing or some other intense emotional yes. dynamic comes up, if I can see the urge to push that away or the urge to try to figure something out to get rid of that feeling, what does not doing anything with that look like? It, it could, to the ego, the self-centered uh, part uh, of the mind, it could feel like failure. And it could actually, you know tug you down further so the, the, the disturbance is even more rough or, you know, ragged or painful. So that's, that's the suffering part of the mind. Not, it's not just pain in the sense of uh, uh, physical nerve-ending pain. It's another kind of, of disturbance that's going on. It needs to be, what, seen. We need to see it, not fiddle with it. If you start to do anything with it... Um, without really investigating it and look into it deeply. This is why it takes people years and years and years of this kind of practice. Yes? How do I look at it without going into the urge to push it away or going into the urge to fuck it up? So in, in your situation there, go into the urge, but watch. But observe it. Watch how you, watch very subtly how you move into that. Just observe that. And you, you need, it's necessary to have a willingness to, be genuine to if you're having emotions or feelings to have the feelings and not necessarily try to push them into something else or do anything with them or anesthetize yourself. That's difficult right there. No one wants to feel bad, uncomfortable. But the Buddha, the first words out of his mouth, as far as where to where to believe and where I said don't believe, don't believe anything. Don't even believe the Buddha. But don't stop listening to the Buddha. Life is suffering. Life is. Difficult. The three types of suffering uh, has been traditionally talked about as uh, the pain of pain, the actual nerve-ending pain in all of the six sense seals. There's there are, uh, nerve endings of a sort. 
the pain of alternation, which uh, things are going really fine, and suddenly they were worried. Things are fine right now, so we're not suffering yet, but we're concerned that it's going to end. That's the pain of alternation. <laughs> Recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the last one, which is uh, not everyone is clear enough to uh, see or understand, is called the pain of the composite, or the pain of conditioned existence, which is where... It is said traditionally that uh, only someone, and I don't necessarily subscribe to this, I think it's a way of talking about it that shows, tells, says a little thing about it, that only a first Bhumi Bodhisattva actually can see, they, they, they're the only ones that can really understand and see uh, the pain of the composite. But I think everybody gets a big dose of other people's suffering all the time. The, the people are suffering, the world is suffering. It's difficult to watch the news without feeling resonating with all the suffering that's going on or just your neighbor or you're just your mate or your mom or dad or, or anyone else. It's not just the, the, the sympathy kind of thing, but actually feeling very deeply the, the distress. Sometimes we meet someone who's always smiling and they're, and don't really complain much about anything, but when you're with them, you can, can feel there, there's intense suffering there. And, and, uh, uh, quite often we we can't do anything about it because we really don't have permission. We, otherwise, you would have to t- kind of propagandize. So you don't really have permission to, they aren't turning to you necessarily and saying, I'm really feeling terrible because they, they don't want to be that person, so they pretend they're someone else. Happy to answer more questions if you have them, especially to, yes. I'm wondering <clears throat> if you could, um, I'm, I'm sort of stuck on the difference between the why, because, and what. Um, and I'm wondering if you could, uh, elaborate on the distinction between those two because I personally I, I kind of see them as the same thing. Okay, so say, say more how, how you would describe it then. Um, I, <clears throat> without being attached to the outcome of the mm-hmm. why and because mm-hmm. questions, I, I see the process as revealing of nature, if yeah. you want to use those terms. Okay, so why, a why question is why, uh, why, because, it's cause and effect, very simple, and we're not trying to get rid of that, we're just, uh, what's being uh, suggested is to, to, to use that whenever that comes up and that's workable, then why is there, um, why is it really cold in here, because uh, I haven't paid the heat bill, I mean, those kind of real simple things, and so we're always uh, working with that, but... Uh, and a very simple, uh, um, this causes that, and that causes that, and this is happening, so that, therefore, this is happening. But as far as the awareness practice, uh, not too difficult to do that, but it tends to take us in circles uh, somewhat, especially if we don't do anything else. And what's being recommended is to sit down and look at whatever's happening and say, what is it? What is it fundamentally? Not why is it? Because the why will give you, the why will actually give you an answer. This is what an answer, a relative answer looks like. And all investigation ceases. And the ego uh, doesn't mind that a bit because now we know why. So what's being recommended or suggested is, uh, is to just look at whatever is arising so you can see fundamentally what it is. Because uh, teachings of the Buddha, if you've been studying that, is uh, everything is dependently arisen. There's no separate individual being anywhere. There's no self, there's no other. And it's just an illusion. It looks like there is. It looks, certainly does. certainly looks like there is. But to one who looks, who won't settle, won't settle for simple kinds of because answers, but wants to know fundamentally, what is that? Don't settle. Don't settle. And, and, and that's when the, the spiritual path starts to break open, open up. Because we're no longer settling for any, we don't need a payoff. We don't. It's called Buddha Dharma without credentials. Awaken truth with no proof. Awaken truth with no. No one's going to tell you that. Yes, you've got it. Uh, you're going to see it yourself, and no one can take that away from you because uh, there isn't anyone there anymore. So asking, <clears throat> excuse me, um, asking what of any particular thing is the idea that um, finding the fundamental nature of something will reveal the fundamental nature of existence. You, you, could, you could say it that way, but it's not quite that simplistic. Yeah. It, it, seems to, it seems to show up with, you know, each, each person, your own particular dynamic starts to come together in, in, along with all of your karma, 
all of the causes and conditions, if you look, we're all human beings, we're all here in this room, but we all look completely different. And we're all our wiring, our past, our, our karma, our history is so different. We all come from beginningless time up to this very present moment, which we'll never repeat again. And so all that's being said is when you practice, when you, when you go and sit in here or at home, face sit down and face the wall, as uh, Suzuki Roshi said, Zen mind, beginner's mind, always a beginner, always a beginner. So that's what, what is this? What is this? Have you notice how children will say that? What is that? Anything else? Yes, sir. You said something about um, don't do anything you don't have to do. Yes. How do I know what I have to do? How do you know what you don't have to do? Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I'd rather work on that one. Sure. It's just easier for me. <laughs> uh, if, if, I mean, I'm thinking of things. Uh, it's a difficult area because it's a suggestion that I, I know is difficult because it's something that's difficult for me. Yet it seems to be necessary to uh, the conventional way of saying it is uh, just hold your seat. It's a kind of patience. It's a kind of, you know, rather than speculate about something and kind of guesswork, well, maybe this will work, that, maybe that'll work. So I would say more wait for your karma to totally come to fruition so that when your karma comes to fruition, you might immediately go into action out of your awareness. That would have been too cloudy or wouldn't have, wouldn't have come up with such clarity because you jumped the gun or went into something based on hope and fear. I better not, I better not, I better do this right now because what if this doesn't, what if the opportunity goes away or those kinds of things. And so if you do nothing unless you have to, then you, you're actually waiting for, for the actual, the actual opening to come rather than your, imagine your wish for an opening or your desire to kind of see an opening where they're really, uh, the timing isn't there. Does that help a little bit? Is there a specific question? No, I'm very good at not doing anything. <laughs> oh, would you? Well, I feel like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> in our culture. What, do you, what, like, what is your livelihood, if I may ask? Oh, I'm a, I'm a biologist. I'm a teacher. Well, you, 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 can't, right. uh, you right. can't do nothing. And, <laughs> right. Yeah, that I'm kind doing of a lot. I feel like I'm doing a lot. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm just rep. I mean, right. Our culture is very much about it doing is. lots, know, yeah. doing as much. Why yeah. do more? Yeah. Yeah. Do everything. That's, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And I feel like I'm good at yeah. resisting at some level. Are you? Are yes. you, are you? Do you consider yourself a Buddhist, or are you studying meditation? Mm-hmm. Studying meditation. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and don't become a Buddhist unless you have to. Mm-hmm. I mean it. There's no, no, no. If someone's promoting Buddhism to you, uh, it's probably not Buddhism. It's mm-hmm. someone wanting control of you. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. But if you do find that you want to study that, then give it give it everything you've got. Find a teacher. Mm-hmm. Work, work with a teacher, even though you're a teacher. Uh, you know what, te- being a teacher, you know, you can't, pretty hard to study biology without some kind of a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, do you, can I ask you a more personal question? Do you think of yourself as being lazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, the, and this is what happens as soon as you uh, even even if you don't say it out loud, and I appreciate you allowing me to ask you that because that's helpful to me so that I can go a little bit more deeply into what's happening with you. As soon as you call yourself anything, you're, you're stopping your journey. It's like you're walking up the side of a mountain towards your own enlightenment, your own clarity. Let's call it sanity. You're going to be completely sane. This is what the Buddha was. He was not he was a spiritual leader, but he was sane. And he shared that with a few people around him, and they were so astonished by what he taught. They shared it with more, and the next thing you know, all those moms and dads are sending their teenagers to study under the Buddha 2,500 years ago. But to, to label or name something, you have to be very careful of, uh, of doing that. So I would say, don't name anything, and don't, but, but look deeply into what's happening there, but don't necessarily, uh, uh, well, I'm just lazy, kind of thing. Not that you're particularly doing that, but it sounds like it could be a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm not picking that up at all. It's not a compliment. Very good. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Further question. Shoto. You brought up the <clears throat> 30 verses of Vasubandhu. Yes. Which I think um, brings up the concept of perception only. Yes. What is perception only pointing to? Uh, perception only is a 
basic teaching of uh, Yogacara uh, Buddhism, uh, one of the foundations for Zen practice uh, and Chan or mind-only practice. And it's just basically emphasizing using concepts, uh, the fundamental nature of reality that is uh, attainable. I don't know if it's actually an attainment, uh, but is understandable through using these concepts. And here are the concepts. There is no, uh, no self and there's no other. There's just perception only. So there's no object and there's no subject. There's just perception only. It's called not to, non-duality, advaita, not to. But it, it's not just something you can just think about and say, well, yeah, I kind of believe in that. I believe in anything. I certainly don't believe in that. If you believe, if you believe that with a, in a concept, then all investigation stops as soon as you believe. So always, uh, uh, what's the ordinary way of saying yeah, keep an open mind. That works good. More? Um, it's not maybe not necessarily perfectly related to the topic, but yes. when you talked about naming things and calling yourself things, you really brought up something I've been struggling with yes. living here, uh, uh-huh. and then having practiced meditation for many years, and I've talked with Beto about it. Uh-huh. Why would I call myself a Buddhist if the whole practice is about not calling myself anything? And uh-huh. at what point does one, as I imagine you felt or mm-hmm. feel that you have to uh, oh, you, yourself, yeah. Assuming you do. Yeah. 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 Well, it took me a long time to. Uh, I, I studied uh, over 30 years before I actually became ordained. Long time. Uh, because I didn't want to do that. Because I had another idea of who I was. Um, so it's a, it's a good question. And I would say, um, uh, let me say it this way continue to do whatever kind of naming. But be very aware of what that's about, and see if, and actually look and see if you're covering something up by doing that. Uh, when I call myself a Buddhist, uh, fundamentally, I don't know what I am. I don't know what this is, uh, but I'm not particularly concerned. If somebody, if someone, if someone uh, pressures me or pushes on me or something, come on, what, what, what fundamentally is this? I would say it's not separate. So I wouldn't give it a. That's as close as I would come to giving it an identity. That I don't see any separate things anywhere, and it's not like. Oh wow! Lucky me, I can see that because it, uh, that also entails everything that's happening. You don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to get rid of suffering. So, uh, as I, I shouldn't do anything unless you have to, including becoming a Buddhist. But we're all here. So uh, the way I like to say it is, if we uh, come in this room and then I come here and I teach every Wednesday, and we've got permission to come here, we're welcomed by Mado and the Sangha here to come and do the regular Wednesday class that we ordinarily do from Sokokoji in Michigan, the monastery. And, uh, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, you know, you're already here. So in a sense, you're kind of giving me permission to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm also very, very, uh, um, very careful not to inter- interfere with someone's karma. This may not be your path. I'm saying this to anyone here. It may not be. Don't do anything else you have to. And what that'll allow, that'll actually, if you can really take on or understand what I'm saying by that, is that'll allow you to drop down in a deeper into actually what it is that is arising as you, that your mother, father was so happy to come along and give you a name and tell you what to do. And, and as I often say, don't, they'll tell you, don't hit your brother, even though your brother is 10 years older than you are. But do it out of a function, out of awareness. Here's another thing that I do. Uh, it's almost nine o'clock, but I can say that if you, uh, it's like a retraining your mind to not to stop thinking, but so that instead of leading with your thought process and your intellect and your analysis and your, your sorting and picking and choosing and evaluating large, small, big, uh, little, uh, close, far away, and all the different things that, that come up in terms of concept, instead you lead with your awareness. And that means the awareness is out in front, so the t- thinking becomes a tool rather than some kind of a, a weapon to protect yourself, uh, protect an imaginary self from an imaginary threat. And so, but leading with the awareness, I can say that you won't know what you're going to do next. It's, and it's not, that's not bad. It's not a bad thing. It's a lot easier to not know what you're going to do. If someone sometimes say, well, what are your plans? Like, I don't plan things. Things things happen. We plan things get planned somehow, but I don't plan until the very last minute. Because if you plan something, this is what you're doing. You're you're moving your thought process out in front of the awareness, 
and nothing, uh, nothing stands still. So you might be better to leave that awareness out in front and watch the way everything is floating around. And then at some point you may need to, uh, you know, sign on the dotted line somewhere, but it could, it should, it could, not should, but it could come out of your awareness about the situation, which is a, a more of an open dimension rather than some bundle of ideas about how things should be done or right and wrong and so on. Is, is, that, is that clear in some way? Is it time to stop? Um, you have a question? I have a question from Drew in Florida. Oh. He asks, Good. do we deal with the often self-centeredness of physical pain in the same manner we would with intellectual and emotional self-centeredness? Not exactly sure where you're going with that, Drew, but I would say, just to respond directly, I would say, I think it's very similar. Any final questions from someone who hasn't asked a question? It can even be a question about, you know, stocks, bonds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about those, but... <laughs> yes? Um, so, uh, recently relocated back to the area, and I have a, a new job and a new aspect to my career, which is very thrilling and meaningful, and yeah. I love the work and the people I work with, but I do... Um, find myself being challenged in day-to-day -day work environment. There's so many people and so many agendas and so yeah. much productivity. And yes. There's um, great work, but there's a lot of ego. Um, and there's managing my own as well as sure. maybe managing a team. And uh -huh. so all of that, and this, you know, mixing in my melting pot in the day-to-day -day and yeah. trying to be um, a leader and be successful, it's, it's sometimes it's a lot to, yeah. to manage. Question. Um, even, yeah. So um, so how is how would you approach a... A daily work day, especially when you're. Are you the boss? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. So, how many people? 10? There are 20. 20. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and may I ask just what you do? What is, what is your. I work at the university in the College of Business. Okay. Um, and I work in alumni relations. Okay. Very good. So, very so engaging work with yeah. people. And Have you been a meditator for a while or did you just start? Not enough, but in the last couple months more. Okay. Me. And so, do you get in an hour a day maybe or? Yeah, bump, bump it up a little bit, if you can. And try to schedule it. I mean, it's, you know, 24 hours in a day, you can find an hour. And it's not that an hour is a magical amount, you know, 45 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes, uh, an hour and 10 minutes or something. But try to do that. Hold very still and don't add. Hold very still, watch, and, uh, and, and bring back the expectations to some, dial them back a little bit if you can. And just uh, see what happens. Even if you daydream, it doesn't matter. Even if you fall asleep, it does not matter. You don't have to maintain being awake. A lot of teachers teach this differently, but um, yeah. So, and as far as uh, working with people, there's a, a, a practice of generosity that I have. Very, very simple, real uh, low, uh, low profile kind of generosity that others won't necessarily notice uh, unless they're very perceptive. And that's uh, it's, it's a kind of giving. And here it comes. Give everything your attention. Give your attention to everything, everything. When somebody talks to you, look at the color they're wearing, look at their clothes, look at how their hair looks. Uh, give the attention to your body. Don't forget gravity. Don't forget how your clothes feel. Don't forget how your diaphragm moves when you breathe. And I'm not saying fasten on anything, but just let, just give things your attention. If you do that, then you'll find that your whole environment breathes. I'm not talking about some kind of um, Alice in Wonderland or... Uh, Puff the Magic Dragon. I'm talking about your whole environment is, is fundamentally moving all the time. And all of these people uh, in it are locking down on things. And you can see it. If you can see everything move and breathe, then you notice just by looking at someone, you can see that um, they're not even looking at you because there's so much stress. Uh, and what they're looking at is their idea of you. It's, it's almost like you could leave the room and they'd still be talking to their idea of you. Have you noticed a little bit of that? So you have a beautiful smile, not a compliment. Thank you. are welcome. I won't take one. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that would be, that's a strong, I mean, that's a strong, uh, just be present with people, be, be kind uh, to people, and, and allow people to screw up, you know, don't, very little correcting. The people are busy correcting themselves constantly. All you have to do is say, well, yeah, I can see you're having some difficulty with that. But well, let's work that's on it. I nodded huh? my head in acknowledgement of I worry about the failure to come. I'm always trying to mitigate yeah. that and hit it off of the past. See, that's the, that's the type of pain, the pain of alternation. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed when I mentioned that you smile. Yeah. Uh-huh. Experienced it today. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do about that? I'm going to stop trying to figure it out. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Yeah. I wish I could be around here to watch yeah. you not figuring it out. That's exactly what happened was I just zeroed in on trying to figure it what out. What is your name? Kelly. So Kelly, uh, uh, sit a lot. Uh, even, even if you can't make it here or whatever, try to try to find some time. Even 15 or 20 minutes. You have an office of your own, I suppose. Uh, sit down. Uh, look, uh, some people I have uh, one student, a couple students actually, that are in front of a computer constantly, and I and I say just uh, bring whatever screen up. It can be a Gmail or whatever, and I say look right at the top of the screen and just have your mouse in your hands. You can sit right there. <laughs> Train the mind. Train the mind. To, and what we do is we hold the body very still so you can watch what the mind does. And it's only about watching what the mind does. It's not about controlling it. You don't, don't, you don't have to control anything. Just observe what comes and goes. And then when you get up off your chair and you start interacting with others who are coming and going and pushing and pulling and fighting with themselves, then any kind of warfare that comes up, then because of your extended clarity, because there's more space, you could say, as a metaphor, in your mind, there's less likelihood of, you, of them to trigger uh, aggression in you. Because you, you've got some unexamined uh, aggression there. Yeah. So make friends with that. Get to know yourself. Sit down and have a willingness to, to never. It's just like you don't want to get rid of an unruly child. You want to love them, take care of them. Your own emotions are like little kids that are having a fit. That's good. I was thinking I had some of them on my staff today, so switch that thought around. <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay. Thank you. Anything else from anyone? Anything else on mind? Anyone? I'm looking. Um, there's a follow-up from a Senchu's question in Battle mm-hmm. Creek. She okay. asks, or oh, I'm sorry, it's Seto. Um, okay. She asks, how can I use my need to know to my advantage in my practice? So, uh, Seto, I'd say it's, it's just a matter of observing it. It's quite often when we're looking at something that is distressing, it, it, it feels fixed and it feels like it's not moving, but that's... Uh, but our, it's our idea of movement that we get attached to. We want a certain kind of result. And all you have to do, as long as that stand uh, sitting there, that need to know, need to know, need to know, every time you turn around, there's a need to know and a need to know. Just look at it. It's always about awareness, not about what arises in the awareness. Even though what arises in the awareness is the, the place that we practice. We actually watch things occur, watch them go away. As it's been said uh, in the Zen tradition for many centuries, be a good host. Let things come. Let them go. Let them come. Let them go. Thank you very much.